It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at Chabacasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This show is brought to you in association with Five Stars Promotions. To find out all about Five Stars' latest events, including many featuring X-Rangers heroes, then please visit them on Twitter at five stars limited that's at five numeric five stars ltd or search for them on facebook welcome to heart and hand the rangers podcast the podcast that would also give inflammatory gestures to those wee fannies in the motherwell end this week on heart and hand we don't mean to brag up but we're pretty confident So welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name's David Edgar, and I'm joined this week by two stalwart hands of Heart and Hand. First of all, it's Mr Cameron James Bell. David, how are you, my friend? You good? I am good. Happy birthday, Cupcake. Oh, thank you, baby. That's really nice of you. Thank you. Yes, it is indeed. And because I show the Protestant work ethic, I'm still working on my birthday. Yes, he, he was. Despite being offered the day off, he refused to take it. And uh, an example to all of us there. And joining him is one of these feckless young millennials, but to be fair, he's here as well. It's James Forrest. Good afternoon, David. Happy birthday, Cammy. Right, let's start off then with Europe, because Rangers did make it through to the last 32 of the Europa League group stages on Thursday night with a 1-1 draw at home to Young Boys of Bern. Great first-half performance, capped off by an Alfredo Morelos goal. Then the second half... I think it's fair to say Rangers tired and young boys who needed to win the game, of course, they, they came right back into Ibrox was gripped by tension. Probably still in the midst, if we're being honest, of a post-League Cup final uh, hangover, I think. And they got a goal back in the 89th minute, an own goal by Borna Barisic. Couldn't, thankfully, get the second, so Rangers did go through. Initially, I think there was some disappointment among the fans. Again, I would... I would put that down to just the general mood of the week um, with Aberdeen, Celtic, then that. And 
a few people were, I, I think, on the night a little bit overwrought and kind of suggested, I can't believe we didn't get through in, in first place. Now, I can understand being disappointed not getting through in first, but some of the comments I saw were things like, we've absolutely fucked it. And I was like, come on. Um, but I think with a couple of days uh, to, to look at it more calmly, Cameron, getting through that group, a Champions League level group, let's be honest, was a hell of an achievement. Absolutely. Um, the, the people you mentioned, David, I would I would pose two questions to them. The first one is, uh, I'm assuming that when the draw was made, you said that we would definitely win the group because I would fancy the answer to be no. And the second thing is, um, you know, when uh, we, we did feel a bit flat towards the end, I think the crowd probably contributed a little bit towards the jitters for the team as well because we were all a bit nervous. Um, but you would have accepted the situation if young boys had scored early doors and we had then got our 88th minute equaliser. I think if you get into that scenario, Ibrox is absolutely bouncing by the end. So we're, we're disappointed because I think that we, I think we played certainly well enough to win the group, um, and we were very much on a knife edge. So in terms of obviously, as you rightly say, going out, um, the legs started to tire. Uh, the Ryan Jack dismissal, which in my opinion was necessary because um, he took a couple of bullets for us there, um, didn't help. Um, but we came through it, and I think that the team have to be very, very pleased of dismissing the hangover that you mentioned, um, having that mental uh, reset uh, and going again. Yeah, I, I think that whenever you say to people, you know, come on, this was actually quite a big achievement, and this is a very, very small subset of the support, don't get me wrong, but... They'll say, well, I've got standards. I expect better from Rangers. You know, I expect us to win the group. And I just think sometimes standards can be a, a bit of a euphemism for, I want us to win every single game, not concede any goals, be 3-0 up inside 20 minutes. And if I don't get it, I'm going to complain and I'm going to bring out this word standards. There are times when Rangers standards drop below what they should be. Um, we don't need to look too far back. But I think in this instance, then, it was being used as a bit of a shield. James... It's a remarkable achievement for Rangers, um, for Stephen Gerrard. In a couple of years, I think he has a remarkable, that's 28 European uh, European matches that Rangers have played now, losing only three. Uh, some fantastic results in there. Im- immediate progress from Rangers when they got to the Europa League last season, but then we've gone on and we've improved again. And that's, that's really what you look for in a squad and in a manager, is that you improve year on year. 100%. We started this Europa League journey way back in Gibraltar. How long ago does that feel? And we've come through four qualifying rounds. We felt that this was a reward. It almost felt like we'd made an achievement by making this group uh, with some glamorous ties in there. And I think for the vast majority of support, it was, let's just enjoy this. And if we can make it out of the group, brilliant. If not, it's not a disaster. We've come second in a really, really impressive group. And just look at how we played in the first half of this of this game. We made the champions of Switzerland look incredibly ordinary with the way that we were playing. We were using the ball really well. Our key guys were doing exactly what we've come to expect of them. Guys like Barisic, absolute force of nature. Morelos, there was absolutely no doubt in our minds that he was putting the ball in that net. Um, guys like Arfield and Kamara doing the jobs in the field that we've known them to do so well. Ryan Jack, absolute leader in the middle of the park. 
Um, really, really impressive stuff, particularly in the first half. But to make it through in the context of the six games, uh, to have had a better record over two games against Porto, to have a better record over two games against Feyenoord, and to make young boys look so poor in that spell, it's a really, really fantastic achievement. And to come on in that one year, because that's one year's worth of improvement from our previous Europa League group, it's a magnificent upgrade on what we've done. And we are a fantastic European team. It's really, really excellent. I think that, Cami, one of the things about the, the performance was the team... I thought quite clearly tired in the second half. And you can put it down to a physical tiredness. I tend to think it was maybe more of an emotional reaction after obviously what happened in the, the previous Sunday. Um, and we were holding on a wee bit towards the end, but we did get over the line. When that goal went in, I'll admit that I thought, oh my God, I've seen this movie from Rangers in Europe before. And was slightly panic-filled um, for the remaining five minutes. But once the whistle went, I enjoyed that. I was I was glad that we'd made it through. Because at the end, when I was I was clapping our players, I watched the, the young boys player get together and make that walk over to their support. Incredible away support, incidentally. And they were doing that sort of sad face. We tried our best, but we just fell short. Clap thing that I've seen Rangers players do too often in the past. And I thought, nah, I'm not going to, you know, in any way be miserable about doing this because we've been that team who were so close and we've filled out the last match, the, the, the groups or the game six of the group match, going, well, it was that game there where we lost or we should have got something there and we didn't. And for once, we didn't have to do that. It's um, typical Rangers fans that on match day five, you're top of the group and you're pissed off that you're not through yet, um, but you can still go out. Um, and just a bizarre set of circumstances. Listen, let, let's let's you know hold it to complete account. Uh, we were in a very tough group, and um, I thought young boys played well um, on a on Thursday night. Um, I think they played well despite our own brain farts uh, across in Bern to get them back into the game. Obviously, um, what I will say though is that we have had. Some tremendous results in the last two years against Champions League opponents, and they are Champions League opponents. Porto, Feyenoord, you know, Mitchell. These teams are not mugs. Legia also, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so we have to take the the comfort from that. I think also just to mention, and we've all said it, so we're as well repeating it. Um, Alfredo Morelos has nothing to apologise for. So Alfredo, I know you listen to this, and your English is good. Don't you worry about a thing. We all still love you just put the League Cup final and the penalty behind you um, and we are who we are because Alfredo Morelos is simply no denying it oh um, totally and, and listen he has you know two yeah, games absolutely, two goals absolutely. and what I think is interesting David is there was very few people um, and I will give Ali McCoy's credit for this uh, in the commentary uh, to say that the, the maturity that he showed when through one on one with the goalkeeper um, to still finish that and slot it away was for me tremendous. Um, so we've, we've performed well. We did hang on a little bit, um, but I think defensively we were pretty solid. Um, again, big shout out to Katic coming in and, and just slotting back into uh, the defence perfectly. Um, I think, as you say, had we been able to rotate, make a little bit more subs if Stephen Davis had been playing, etc., etc., we probably wouldn't have tired as quickly. 
Um, but we've got through, and that's the positive, and we just need to focus on that. And if you'd offered me that at the start of the start of the campaign, as as James said, back in Gibraltar, would you think we'll make the last thirty-two? I would have bitten your hand off for it. My wife, James, is a wonderful woman, and I love nearly everything about her. But if there's one thing I I would change, it would be the fact that. She can't seem to go to bed at night without a running commentary. So I'll be lying there trying to sleep and I'll hear her go, right, I just need to make sure I've taken my pills, right, have I got a drink there? Yes, I do. All right, I need to remember to do that in the morning. And I'm like, shut the fuck up and let me sleep. I'm beginning to think that use of substitutes is my equivalent of that with Stephen Gerrard because I love him, as regular listeners on here will know, but he was driving me mental last Thursday when there were players that I thought looked absolutely dead on their feet, Joe Aribo for one, and we had two substitutes left and didn't use either of them. And look, it worked, I suppose, because we got through, but it, it just strikes me as an odd thing that he has this... I think it is a bit of a fear of, yeah, well, I could change it and it could get better, but what happens if it gets worse? I, I, I don't know. I think you need to be a wee bit bolder in your use of substitute. It's not common among top managers really I mean we when we speak about top managers it's more about their use of substitutes rather than their lack of and this isn't the first time we've talked about this as well we thought that because last season there was something similar going on and I think we put that down to you know he's new to top flight management and it's maybe something he needs to learn a bit more I think it's more of an issue now because he's had more time in the job now you you put Use Thursday as, you know, put that in isolation in terms of the one substitute that he did make. He takes off Ryan Kent. Understandable, things just weren't falling for him um, in that game. He wasn't having the same impact that he has had in other games previous. Brings on Shea Ojo, uh, brings him on for that pace, uh, I, I guess. But you're telling me that someone like Greg Stewart, who you know, a lot of people will say has been on form. You know, the last time he was on the pitch before before the weekend there, he scored two goals. You, you tell me that he's someone that couldn't have come on for someone like Joe Aribo and made made an impact on the game as well. I I think not. Even if you were to bring on someone like Andy Halliday, put him in the midfield, uh, and a fresh pair of legs. I mean, when, when, yeah. when we were just, we weren't really looking for another goal. We were um, trying to see the game. I had to put Halliday on for an Aribo and went, and he just go and sit in midfield and make tackles. You know, yeah. th- th- that kind of thing. But he clearly has this fear, Cammy, about it taking guys 10 minutes or so maybe to get to the pitch of the game. I, 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 that can be the only thing I can think of in disrupting the side. Yeah, I, I think he just doesn't want to fall foul of being blamed for making a substitution that costs us the game. Um, but what, what I think he maybe struggles with is that if it doesn't cost us that game, it might cost us one later on, where, as you say, either through fatigue or tiredness, could lend itself to causing an injury. And then as a result of that, we then start to struggle. I think what's, what would be interesting and what I'd love to ask him if I could is, is there a plan B, is there a contingency? That let's say, for example, you put your first 11 up on the board and you say, and, and, and one of the coaching staff, if it's Gary Mack or whoever, just turns around and said, right, okay, um, Joe Rebo has been tackled and injured. What's, what's the replacement? What's the option? And can you go through that a little bit sequentially throughout the team to be able to say, worst case scenario? Because what we're all moaning about at the moment is, 
lack of subs because, again, because of tiredness. We're not having it forced upon us yet too much with injuries. Um, so we've been incredibly fortunate in that position, but it shouldn't take an injury to force the manager to make a replacement when an actual, you know, when an actual fact, you're right, Avibo was dead in his feet. It, it could cost us because uh, young boys rotated their subs. They did quite well with that. And you can just see um, the freshness coming on and probably giving that. And even if the team are a bit, what's the, I mean, if the team are a bit, you know, under par because they're just, you know, they've went through the, the mill quite a lot. We harry a lot in games. We close players down a lot during games. It's difficult to maintain a tempo like that for 90 minutes. Somebody coming on and said, right, boys, if you're feeling it a bit, if it's Halliday or whoever, if you're feeling it a bit, I'll come on and I'll do your running. You tell me where you want me to go, I'll do your running. Kevin Thompson did it for Davy Weir often enough. And in a scenario such as last Thursday, we'll obviously come on to Sunday in a little bit. Um, but when we play such a congested fixture list such as the snow, he has to make such and he has to trust his bench. And I don't I don't think he's there with that yet. No, I think that the, the that that might well be a legitimate shout. But moving on um, to one other thing that really I enjoyed the other night, James, and that was Borna Barisic taking on the entire young boys crowd on his own. The turnaround in this guy on in terms of his what he's doing on the part of football is one thing. But I, I would now hold my hands up. I thought at the end of last season he just wasn't going to make it with us. Uh, Nobody ever doubted. I mean, the phrase "there's a player in there" has never been more liberally applied than it was to Borna Barisic. But I think we all felt, are we stupid Scottish league where everyone's kick and rush? He just doesn't seem to enjoy that. He just doesn't have the mentality for it. And look, it's okay to say that. Uh, I think that sometimes people are in fear of being told, "I told you so." I'm delighted if you're going to tell me you told me so because I want Rangers to be. Good, and I want Rangers players to succeed. Um, but the change in him from the guy who, as I say, six months ago, I saw it, well, seven months ago now in May at Kilmarnock, who just looked lost and, and frightened every time he was attacked, to now this guy who just owns that whole fucking flank at Ibrox and any away game is unbelievable. I genuinely can't think of a, a bigger turnaround in a player than since really Mark Haley. What's more astonishing for me is the fact that this isn't something that we've seen from him from the start of this season. He was still, you know, there were still some games early in this season, um, I think away away against Progress, neither Con, a game that Cammy and myself were at actually, and he did not look anything like the Rangers play that we expected him to be, that you know, we'd invested in, that we thought... This is a guy that will have and get good use of for a couple of years, and then he might get sold to uh, a bigger club in one of the big five leagues in Europe. He did not look like that at all. It's you know the fact he's been given that run of games and the fact he's really taken that on, and something's just clicked in him, and all of a sudden he's he's absolutely the left back that we saw when he was at Osijek. When he was up against us, he's absolutely turned into that player for us. And not only in terms of the ability, which you're right, that's always been there. And you know, you see with the way that he hits free kicks now and the way that he's able to cross first time, he's always had that. But it is the attitude and it is the idea that actually, no, I do belong in this team. I do belong at this level and nothing is going to scare me. I've taken my knocks. I've got back up from those knocks. 
and I'm still able to play just as well. It's it's absolutely brilliant. You talk about Mark Haitley as that. Obviously, I'm too young to witness that. I would equate it to Sasa Papach. His first season for Rangers, he was not someone who we thought was going to last. We didn't think he had the heart for it. We didn't think he was someone that was going to you know, make an impact in our defence. And then in the second season, from then to the time that he left Rangers... He was a mainstay and he was so consistent and he was absolutely brilliant and is one and to this day one of my favourite Rangers players, Sasa Pampach. I think Borna Barisic is absolutely repeating that trend in terms of how as a left back you can turn things around for Rangers. Yeah, yeah Rangers left backs from the ball can seem to seem to be a good fit for us. Uh, and we're certainly enjoying watching him at the moment, as we did yesterday, Cami, as we headed off to Fur Park take on Motherwell in what was, you know, on paper a bit of a tricky fixture. Rangers have got a phenomenal record at Fur Park in the top division. We haven't um, lost there since 2002, but even a draw wouldn't have been a particularly good result, having you know, not won the previous three matches. Rangers really needed to get back to winning ways. Uh, a very good controlled performance from Rangers, I thought, as I say, especially given the, the really hectic schedule and all that had been going on in the past 10 days. I thought it was a tremendous performance, uh, an, an excellent victory. Watched the game back again this morning and, and devoid of the tension of, of oh my God, oh my God, um, Rangers were absolutely firmly in control. Did take a great save from Alan McGregor, don't get me wrong, at 1-0, but overall Rangers were better in every aspect. And I think had Alfredo Morelos stayed on the park, Rangers had kept 11 men on the field, we would have went on and won that by three or four. However, um, referee Don Robertson decided uh, in this December season to give an early Christmas present to the Scottish media by sending off Alfredo Morelos and allowing them to dust off all their favourite hothead stories and comments. So let's start then with the, the refereeing, which I thought yesterday was shocking all in. Yet another penalty missed from uh, on Alfredo Morelos in the first half. An absolute stonewaller. I have no idea how anyone could look at that and think it wasn't a penalty kick. Guy just goes right through him as he's as he's standing there, and uh, Alfredo being niggled, kicked at uh, a kick out from another well player in the first half that that went unmentioned. The usual stuff. Uh, he. Goes on a booking, and look, no complaints about the first booking because he had had several fouls, um, but he goes in the book, and then he is sent off for a second bookable offence for uh, a get-it-up-you gesture to the Motherwell fans. Right, cards on the table, Cammy, you're qualified ref. I accept, letter of law, all that stuff. That's a yellow card. I get it. It's a justifiable yellow card. I'm not complaining about that. I am not saying that Rangers should say that's never a yellow card in a million years because by the current laws, it is. Right, we have to be honest there. My complaint is that there is one player who is guaranteed in Scotland to go off for that, and it's Alfredo Morelos. And that when we can physically point to examples of the exact same gesture going unpunished, when we as Rangers fans, all of us know that seven out of ten opposition goals that are scored at Ibrox generally will be scored by if it's a Scottish player with his eyes too close together, who maybe grew up supporting a different team, shall we say, we'll get at least a shush or the ear cupping. We'll get more than that quite often. And the referee goes over and has a word, but ushers the guy back to halfway line. The rules are not being applied fairly or consistently. They're not, but before we come on specifically to, to that, 
um, I'll take you back to Hamilton with a, a handball, should have been a penalty from Ryan Kent's blocked shot. Aberdeen, a free kick given when the fouls committed inside the box with a referee apology to follow. Um, two blatant penalties yesterday, one a handball, one a foul on Morelos, both not given. Um, and those are just the last three league games, David. Your issue with what happened yesterday um, was forecast, in my opinion, uh, by uh, Don Robertson deciding to book um, Ryan Jack, um, and I think it was Gallagher, in the, uh, at half-time, came out beginning the second half, visibly booked him, although he'd already told him because there was some sort of fracas in the tunnel, which both Jack and Stephen Gerrard had come out and said there was nothing in that, I've no idea why he's done it. Um, you're right about Alfredo Morelos. Um, he still has this target on him. Um, it seems curious to me that he doesn't get more credit for the fact that this is his first red card of the season, despite um, he, he's, his performances last year in terms of you know his attitudes, he's kicking out petulance, etc. He, he has developed an incredible amount in the last six months. Um, but again, it's easy not to give a decision for Rangers. It's easy not to give a penalty for Rangers, but it's easy to book Alfredo Morelos. And it's because it's Alfredo Morelos. Um, the, the, what, what we're also not saying, and, and this is what's really important, is that of the three games I've just mentioned, of the nine points available, we got seven. So we can be accused of sour grapes. So for me, this kind of follows that old adage of, you know, you fix your roof when the sun's shining. We can say these things to snow because we're still winning. Therefore, we can't just dismiss it as, ah, well, you lost, so therefore that's why you're blaming it on that. There is a, an absolute inconsistency with how, firstly, Rangers are being refereed, um, again, in the examples I've just shown, and also how certain players are being refereed. Now, as well as the occasions that you just mentioned with certain people who are captains of other clubs, there is constant constant gesticulations, as well as ones you mentioned. Uh, I remember the December 2018 game where he's walking off pointing at his, uh, the Celtic crest, which is ironic because it's certainly not something he did when he was younger. Um, so therefore, it, it, it's, could you call it, I don't know, xenophobia? Could you call it a, a campaign against Alfredo Morelos? Because, um, and again, I will point out some, um, some kudos to Chris Boyd, who said yesterday? Uh, said yesterday in commentary. If that's not Alfredo Morelos, we're not talking about it. Yeah, and I'm, I'm amazed. I'm amazed he's the first person to, to call that out. Um, but no, as I say, there's easier ways to manage what happened yesterday. The referee showed complete lack of game management, complete lack of man management. Um, and somehow I don't get surprised at these things any longer. Um, but fundamentally, we're not saying. This is a driven agenda to ensure that Rangers don't compete in the league. What we are saying is that there's a complete substandard level of refereeing in this country across a number of referees, and I'm purposely not mentioning an offside goal that won the League Cup final, uh, to bring in a fourth referee. When are we calling out these mistakes? And if they are genuine, they are honest, what's been done to train up these referees so that they are eliminated? Yeah, what's it's every week. To, what's been done to protect... Um, players from injury because again I'll go back to the Aberdeen game, San Cosgrove should have been sent off, wasn't um, and following that game against Aberdeen we've lost players as a result 
So you're not just seeing an inconsistency, you're now seeing players being injured because they are not being cautioned and disciplined properly. Um, that's not good enough. It's not good enough for our national game. James, I think that there is uh, a lot in what Cami says about his standard of officiating, and I, and I do get that. But there doesn't seem to be any comeback for mistakes. And it is every game now, and they are game-changing decisions. That, As Cami said, we can go through the last five, six matches and pick out incidents that, that were game-changing. Uh, after a while, I'm beginning to doubt that they really are going to even themselves up over the season. It just feels easier to give a decision against Rangers than for Rangers right now. Um, and we go back to that Aberdeen game, you talk about those those moments where players should have been sent off for challenges, second bookable offences and whatnot. There's also the penalty where it absolutely was a foul in the box and the referee was close to it and yet still gives a free kick because he's afraid to give the penalty for Rangers in that circumstance. And I've no doubt that's the reason why. There's a fear about... Uh, there's a fear over giving a decision for Rangers because they're more scared about getting it wrong when it's us than they are about if it's an Aberdeen or if it's Celtic. Um, I'm, I'm not surprised as well, though, because we're so used to it. And there, there does come a point where we have to we have to say, well, what do we do about this? What, what can we do about this, if, if anything? If the answer is there's nothing we can do about it, we just have to put up with it. Frankly, I don't think that's good enough anymore because it is, it is costing us. Had that penalty been given for for us, we wouldn't be two points behind in what is turning into a very, very tight title race. Um, and you know, you you look at the the League Cup final. That's a that's a harder decision to get right in the blink of an eye. You then talk about VAR as something that could come in that could help things um, more. It'll be interesting to see how that's used when it comes to the Europa League for us in the last 32 uh, and our first experience of that. But our players are subject to bad challenges and they were against Motherwell. Glenn Kamara got you know, studs on his ankle, incredibly sore. Alfredo Morelos had, had had taken a knock right before half-time and it's no wonder that he reacted in the way that he did at half-time. Yeah, he gets, uh, Alfredo Morelos gets kicked from one side of the park to the other. Um, what offends me about the whole situation is that he is expected to maintain perfect discipline, but the players playing against him are not, which is just base unfairness. Cammy, I was wondering about something that there are a lot of Rangers fans out there who will always justify it. And it, it's quite, I suppose, uh, an honourable situation. But they will always look to excuse or accept uh, a bad decision. And as I say, I think, mentioned a few weeks ago, that I think it's part of, well, they do that, so we don't. And it becomes a bit of a shibboleth, and it becomes a bit of a, a, a kind of uh, shield uh, and it becomes a little bit a part of the ethos of what they believe Rangers to be. But it gets on my tits a little bit because it's all the time. So yesterday, you'll hear some Rangers fans say, 
yeah, well, you know, even so, he shouldn't do that. Right, okay. And then you go back to the the League Cup finals and offside goal penalty that wasn't given, retaking penalty, etc. I well, we we still should have won that game. It's our fault. Nobody to blame but ourselves. Right, okay. And then we got the Aberdeen game and they go, ah, but we were two 0 up with nobody to blame but ourselves. It was just us. And I think that's great. You know, as I say, it's very honourable, but it's not strictly true, is it? Um, because we do have someone to blame other than ourselves. It is possible to do both. I was raging at the team after the, the Aberdeen game. Completely let it go. Didn't mean it wasn't a penalty. I was raging with the world after the League Cup final. Didn't mean those decisions weren't, weren't unjustifiable. And I wonder if it's just they've spent so long with Rangers, you know, under Murray, etc. And it's, we don't do that. We turn the other cheek. That's for them. Well, do you know what? The atmosphere that they've created has led to this situation and it makes it doubly hard for us to do it. And while it is very, very, you know, dib, dib, dib and that, yeah, we're going to overcome it anyway, you still need to occasionally stand up for yourself and stop accepting being victimised and occasionally say, no, no, do you know what? No, we're not going to be treated like this. And I'm not sure we culturally do that. Yeah, basically what you're talking about is fans who want to be seen to be playing fair in a crooked game. And um, now, let me let me just put some of that into context. None of us on heart and hand are suggesting for a single minute that there is this huge conspiracy against Rangers um, specifically which stops us from being able to do that. I am arguing with other Rangers fans on social media. Wasn't it Father have... Ted that said, you know, Jack could have been Pope, but the feckin' Jesuits? Exactly. Yeah. But what you've got to remember, though, is, David, is I'm not suggesting that what we start doing as a club is harassing referees, hiring private detectives, tanning in windows, um, harassing, you know, their children at their schools, etc., oh, etc. Oh, because... oh, oh, sorry, you're not, right? Well, I no, I'm make... not. No, I'm not. No, just I, I, be clear with that. Right, I need to make a phone call cancelling something then. Right, sorry, okay, go on. That, that, that may be prudent. However, what I will say is... Um, to those Rangers fans who believe in that dignified, silent stance, I totally, totally get it. I understand that I subscribe to it for long enough. But in 15 minutes, I've been able to give you a litany of mistakes over the last 270 minutes of league football. And I've purposely discounted the League Cup final. So we can't say that... Well, what I would expect to hear people say then is, we are Rangers, we don't moan about referees. Okay, so by subscribing to that theory, you're also saying that you believe that we have a high standard of refereeing in this country. Because we don't. We genuinely no, don't. I don't think they're we're, doing that. I think what they're saying is we accept that we will be cheated. And that's which, okay. And that, which, that's, yeah, where, that's where I run into a problem with it. No, listen, I, I understand that. And I think that people will say other things like, oh, don't worry, it'll even itself out across the season. Okay, well, I'm not really fully subscribed to that either because all I've done is just pick out the last few games. I could go further back if I really had to. What I do think we have to be able to do is call a bit of a moratorium in terms of um, how we get to this stage where these mistakes are so relevant um, that it's making a mockery of the game. The League Cup final, fundamentally, on our side of things, was tainted because Celtic scored their goal from offside. But we're not sitting here saying, right, well, you know, that's a disgrace. We want inquiries. We want the game replay. None of that nonsense, the absolute muck which you know that they would come out with. But this is the thing that concerns me a little bit. Some of our own support don't understand that you can say these things without 
sounding like a deluded maniac, or in other words, like a Celtic fan, um, by saying or screaming, I demand retribution, I demand games being replayed, I demand that that referee gets investigated, blah, 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 blah what have you. Very simply, all we're looking to be able to say is, as a qualified referee, my priority on a park is player safety. And at the very least, what's happening at the moment is we're putting player safety at risk because we are not managing games properly. Um, but I understand James's point, let's bring in VAR and all the rest of it. See, if you're a club that gets away with like what Aberdeen did, why on earth would you bring in VAR? Because why would you possibly vote for that? You bring in VAR, we get a penalty to Pitodri. So whilst they're getting away with it, they absolutely won't vote to change it in our favour. So you know that. But what we do need to look at is we need to revise our stance a little bit on, yes, okay, we don't need to go full gung-ho into demanding, you know, complete overhauls and all the rest of it. But I do think it's within our remit to turn in and go, look, there's a number of mistakes we made here. As the SFA, as the referee governing body, what are you doing about it? Because very simply and quite clearly, demoting referees into lower division games as a punishment using, you know, uh, air commas. Um, doesn't work. It doesn't work. And it, it's insulting to the, f- the the fans of the teams in those divisions because basically you're dealing with our scraps and that's absolute crap as well. So th- something has to be done with it. And I don't think it's the wrong thing to do to bring it to the forefront of you know other people's attention and say that you're whining about these things. We're second in the, in the group. We've just lost the League Cup final. We're, we're two points off the top. We were top of the table yesterday. So we're not saying this because all of a sudden it's having a, a, a huge effect in our season, but we can say it in the right way. Yeah, definitely. James, the European draw was made today and Rangers will face Braga of Portugal in the next round. On the face of it, it looks a very good draw. Not a, a European powerhouse by, by any manner of means. Currently sitting ninth in the Portuguese league. We have, of course, taken on the team who are sitting first uh, in the league and got a... a a home victory and away draw against Porto. But then you look at Braga's campaign in which they topped Wolves group, um, didn't lose a match, and in fact um, took four points from Wolves. So no mugs, I think it's fair to say. No, not at all. Um, it's funny, watching the draw this morning and getting ever more frustrated the fact that our ball came out last, which was not helpful for the heart at all. There were two camps in terms of what we thought kind of draw we would get. It's either going to be a glamorous tie where we'll go, we'll test ourselves at that kind of level, and if if we go out, it's no disgrace. Or it was going to be a draw we would turn around and say, Do you know what, I, I kind of fancy ourselves to maybe get by. Looking at it, I think this falls into both camps to some extent because... Yes, Braga, you know, they're a name that you know if you know about your European football. They are they're consistently the best of the rest in Portuguese football, although they are having a, a much poorer season this, this term domestically. They seem to be focusing a lot more on their European campaign. Um, however, it, it feels like they've kind of given up on doing much in, in Liga Nosh, but they want to make a mark in Europe, which is obviously dangerous from sorry, our point of view. But, sorry, sorry, right. This podcast maybe has evolved over the years, but I am never going to not find the word nosh, nosh. funny. Mm-hmm. Sorry, sorry. Yes, right, go on. titter, titter, titter. T- very much nosh. <laughs> Sounds rude. And, 
and and I'm the millennial. Come on, David. This podcast, son. Right. While you were, st- I was going to say um, before you had had many experiences with ladies, but that is relevant today as it was ten years ago. I, I this pod was built on that. Sixty-six percent of this of the of the people on this podcast currently have performed that action, James, and you aren't one of them. So you can back out the rest for yourself. Um, thank you, Tammy. But what what I was going to say um, was, I absolutely fancy us to get a result at home, and I think the fact that we are at home first is is helpful in that respect because then we go to Braga. It's it will be a unique stadium. I'm not convinced that the atmosphere is going to be electric, although I may be proven wrong in that. But that's from from the outside looking in. That's my perception. And I think we've got the squad that's capable to get whatever job needs done over in Portugal done. So I feel very, very optimistic about about this draw. And it's good from a travel point of view. It's fairly easy for a lot of Bears to get out there. For a lot of Bears, it will be the third time this season having to go to Portugal. Um, There's worse places you could go to consistently, I suppose. Uh, so yeah, I think we could have done a hell of a lot worse. And funnily enough, there's a lot of draws that we could have got had we finished top of the group that would have been a lot harder. And in fact, we would have got by a Leverkusen had we finished top. So well I'd done, give Warner. Me, yes, yes. Give me Braga over Bayer any day of the week. Cami, before we go this week, right? I don't like to necessarily talk too much about the emotion. I know that occasionally we have to, right? We do. But this one just cannot be ignored, I think it's fair to say. And that is that the Celtic support have turned on Rod Stewart. Yes, folks, it's true. The ageing crooner and celebrity Celtic man is in trouble with the Celtic support. Because as some of you may know, the Celtic support take themselves very seriously. And they take their so-called political affiliations very seriously. And Rod is in trouble because he tweeted uh, congratulations to Boris Johnson on winning the election last week. Now, Cammy, it turns out that the Celtic support are in some way, um, surprised that the multi, 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 multi millionaire voted Tory because they never do that, you know, multi millionaires, generally speaking. But they do not want him to come to Celtic anymore, and they have listed some of the things that he has done wrong, including only shows up for the big games. That was Dermot Desmond. He played in Israel. I don't quite know what that Israel is. That it means. It means not fake. Yeah. Okay. He played in Israel. Uh, oh, Israel! Right. Okay. Sorry. Well, that's odd. Cause I really thought they liked Israelis because uh, they're always going on and about that wee guy Ira. Um, yeah. The, yeah. You, you never really end it on that one. And then, best of all. Uh, I thought that he voted Tory. And, of course, the Green Brigade um, had a banner yesterday saying that Tories are not welcome at Celtic Park, which I'm sure will come as a bit of a shock 
to Celtic majority shareholder, Sugar Daddy and Conservative Party donator, Dermot Desmond. Um, they really are a special type of fuckwit, aren't they? It's it's just it's magnificent of all the people to go after, you know, a ninety-two-year-old Rod Stewart who, let's put it on the absolute face of things, probably couldn't offend anyone really if he tried. His singing I mean, has offended me. Um, I was going to say years. singing to a certain extent. I mean, um, really, genuinely, for I'm not that. This is not me. Um, I've always felt he was a sort of fucking little version of Mick Jagger. I've never really understood understood him. If you're a big Rod Stewart fan out there, folks, that's that's. I was going to say that's okay, but it's really not, is it? You know? <laughs> I thought you were going to say that's a pity. Yeah. Um, if they had got that stupid wee-looking guy, the the actor off of BBC One, whatever his name is, that lad Martin something. Oh, aye, if they, aye. If they started to go after him, I could probably understand it, because he just looks like one. Do you know what I mean? You could tell, you know how you could, on your radar, oh, aye, aye, aye. you can spot that a mile off, oh, he yeah, looks yeah, like yeah, one yeah. in turn off. Oh, absolutely. Rod, to be fair to Tastes him. like a map of a certain, a certain place, yeah. Exactly. Rod, to be fair to him, just turns up when he likes. You know, I can't criticise a guy who basically just milks Celtic for all it's worth. As a Batters into the hospitality. PR himself at League Cup finals and gets thrown out. Yeah, challenging, I think, 16-year-olds to square goals well, and all you know, that. this was the thing in the week that he's really tried to get on board with a whole Celtic ethos, where he's got in trouble because he's been acting inappropriately with a teenage boy. What more can he do? Well, not hand his laptop into PC World would probably be a good bet. But anyway, um, but no, listen, the Green Brigade, as we all know, um, deep-rooted believers in democracy when it suits them. um, And I'm absolutely certain a number of them would have uh, been able to vote uh, because they're over 18, um, maybe. Um, it's wonderful. You'll never find a more club that has such political fucking scrabble than that lot. They are just all over the shop from a from an ethos perspective. Um, yes, it's it's tremendous to see it happen because I don't think anyone's told them yet about Uncle Desmond's ongoing conservative donations. Um, I wonder how they'll feel about that since the January transfer window is about five minutes away from opening. So, um, yeah, yeah, it turns out it's all right as long as he's funding Robbie Keane's wages. Not so much, you know, if he's putting it into um, a Tory government. Yeah. If you set yourself up as uh, anti-fascists, which they do, now, the way they go on, you think that they were fucking storming Omaha Beach. But in fact, what it generally means is they put up banners occasionally but yeah yeah anti-fascist is a good thing to be don't get me wrong um i'm very much uh, against it myself i don't know anyone to be honest who's pretty pro-fascist but there you go but if you're anti-fascist one thing you can't really do is to say you're not allowed to be part of this if you vote differently to me in a democratic election that is the very essence of fascism you utter utter fuckwits but we're talking about a gang of people who dress up uh, and cosplay as a terrorist gang. I mean, why? It says a lot about this country that we are forced to share our oxygen with them. But you're, you're talking, David, as well about a club that's that's open for all, um, dependent, however, on your skin colour, religion, uh, political persuasion, 
Um, yeah, just, you know, as long as you fit their criteria, we'll take anyone. As long as, you know, you fit a, a certain expectation of what a Celtic fan um, should look like and conduct themselves like. Um, and heaven alone knows what that is supposed to be. Yeah, well, that'll do us this week then, folks, on Heart and Hand. We will be back on Thursday with a preview of our trip to Easter Road on Friday. Just time to thank our executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Myers. Just getting a note here from Cammy telling me to remind everyone that the kickoff uh, for the second game in Braga is, firstly, it's on a different day. It's not Thursday, Thursday, it's Thursday, then the following Wednesday. Um, and the kickoff is 5 p.m. For that match, so uh, just be aware 5 of that. PM, 5 p.m. UK time. Please remember that if you're booking yeah, flights, if you're, or if you're booking time off work um, <laughs> to to watch the game even domestically. So my thanks first of all to James Forrest. Thank you, David. To Cameron Bell. Thank you, boys. A pleasure as always. And we'll be back later in the week. And until then, remember Rodcott. <laughs> Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.